In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the Holy 50 Days, uh, after the Feast of the Resurrection. And today Christ is speaking about how He is the light that shines in the darkness. That the world was full of darkness, and that He came to shine and to brighten this darkness, and to turn death into life. He says this in verse 46 of chapter 12 of the Gospel of St. John. He said, I have come as a light into the world that, who, he, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And we ask ourselves, what is going to happen in this light that Christ is bringing? Because he's saying that the entire existence that we've had from the very beginning, that even though we think that we have been enlightened, we think that we have been enlightened, we think we have knowledge, we think we know, and yet we have been in complete darkness. And if you ask someone maybe who was born blind, that has never seen, and you ask him, are you blind or do you see? Well, the only way he can find out is by comparing himself to somebody else, right? Because in what way do we know if someone can see or not? It's because someone that can see looks at someone who is blind and declares that this person is blind. But imagine if the entire world is blind and no one can see at all, then no one is going to even know that they're blind because no one is there who can see to tell them that they are blind. right? So we who have been living in darkness for centuries, all of us blind, don't realize that we are blind. And yet when Christ comes as the one who can see and he says, I have come to bring light into your darkness so that you can actually see as I see. And so we have to ask this question is what is going to happen and what did happen when Christ for the first time brought this light into darkness? And we just have to speak about a few points of what happened to us. The first is that we understand the work that God does in our lives. We begin to understand. Okay, in, um, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, the story of Elisha and his servant Gehazi. And in this story, um, there is all these enemies that are coming to attack them. And yet, Elisha is not afraid because he sees beyond the physical. He sees that there is this whole army of heavenly hosts of angels that are set up ready to protect them and to fight on their behalf. But his servant Gehazi did not see this. He did not, he did not, did not know this because they were spiritual beings. They were invisible to him. And so in this verse, it says, Elisha praised, prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So maybe using our physical eyes, we do not see the world as it is. We do not see the spiritual reality of what actually exists around us. We don't see the angels and we don't see the demons. We don't see maybe the work of God working. We don't see all of the spiritual realities in the sacraments. We don't see what happens to us after we take communion. We don't see what happens in baptism. And we have to accept all of these things only by faith. But Christ is saying what? That even though you have been blinded and even though you might live in darkness, that he is coming to illuminate and to shine upon us so that we can understand why God works in a certain way and that he indeed works in the world. And this applies also to the circumstances of our life. Someone who is living in darkness can find no meaning, no purpose, no understanding in anything that is done. But someone who is living in light, even though we might not understand the reasons why God allows certain things, at least we can believe and have faith that whatever God allows in our life is good. This is, this is a light that shines in darkness. Instead of falling into the darkness of depression and falling to the darkness of hopelessness, that I have no purpose and that my life is going in a direction that is contrary to what I would like, instead we have the light that God is revealing to us that He is working. 
He is working in a way maybe beyond our understanding or our comprehension, but we believe and have faith that he works. This is the light of God shining in our darkness. Also, the light that he brings helps us to understand and value his commandments. In Psalm 119, it says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things of your law. Maybe when we read the Bible and we open it and we begin to read it, we don't see anything. We don't understand it. Maybe we don't comprehend the meaning of it or why is it that it should be as it is or what is the, the good that is in it. And maybe we find ourselves actually complaining against the word of God, against the commandments of God, rather than enjoying it, rather than seeing these wondrous things in the law of God. And yet if we open our eyes and through the, the light that comes from God, we begin to understand and to love the law. The law to us becomes something that we carry with us, that we want to keep and hold because it preserves us. That God made the law like a fence around the sheep. Like if we are the sheep, right? The, the, the law is like the sheep pen. It keeps us safe. It keeps us from harm. It keeps us from harming ourselves and it keeps others from coming and harming us. So God protects us through the law. The law is not intended to be a restriction. The law is not intended to remove away all the joy that we have, all the fun that we want to have, but actually the opposite. The law is intended to protect us. The law is intended to bring us closer to God and to keep us close to the shepherd, which is what God wants and what it is that we should want. So the light illuminates our eyes to understand why is it that the law is good and why God has placed this law for us, that we don't rebel against it, but rather we appreciate it and we follow it. The third thing that will happen to us when God's light shines on us is that we delight in our calling and the inheritance that God has given us. We begin to identify ourselves primarily as children of God rather than husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, employees, bosses, whatever titles and other titles that we have in the world that maybe consume our time, consume our mind, consume our energy. And I'm not saying that we stop doing those things. Obviously, God has placed us in those positions for a reason. But the number one role, the number one title that I have is child of God. And I begin to understand this identity and this purpose and this future that God has given us. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? This inheritance that God is giving us, this glory that God is giving us, is unworldly. It's beyond this world. It's, it's Again, it's invisible maybe to us now, but yet God is revealing, us, revealing this to us in glimpses, that we begin to see even a glimpse of what is the glory that God has prepared for us in heaven as we live with Him, as we partake of His nature, as we are united with Him, as we live in eternity with Him. And he wants us to begin to focus more and more on this, that this light that shines in the darkness is revealing to us what is our real life like. You know, we, we refer to this life as the real life and other things is like something else that we don't maybe understand. But actually the real life is the life to come and this life is like a dream. We're going to wake up from this dream and we're going to find ourselves in the real life and, and living a life very different to this life that we know, this life that we are used to. God is revealing to us this reality even from now. As we are here in this place, He's showing us what is to come, and what is to come forever, not just what is to come for a little bit, and then it's going to change, or that we're going to come back here again. And He wants us to delight in this. He wants us to be joyful in this. Again, I, if, if I invest all of my time and my energy into this world, then I'm going to be saddened, at the idea that this world is taken away from me. 
right? You, anything you invest in, anything you put a lot of time in, you are saddened when it's taken away from you, right? The more we invest and become attached to this world, we will be saddened when it, it gets taken away from us. And God has already promised us that it will get taken away. It's going to be taken. So if instead I invest myself into the world to come, the world that will not be taken away, and I begin to delight in this world, I will have a very different outlook and very different perspective on light, on life. This is the light, that he is what? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. God is enlightening us to know this spiritual truth and this spiritual reality. Also, the light that God gives makes us able to see ourselves clearly as we are. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. How is it that we know with whether we are living according to this narrow path that God has told us to live? How is it that we know that we are on this road? How is it that we know that God is pleased with us or not? How is it that we know what to confess when we come to confess? It is because we examine ourselves. And through the light that God gives, we're able to see ourselves more clearly. We're able to understand our motivations, our intentions, what drives us, what drives our thoughts, what, why is it that I deal with other people the way that, that I do, what are the sins that are maybe hiding in my heart that I have not yet to confess or to deal with. Here, we're asking God, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, and, if, and see if there is any wicked way in me. Maybe, do we even want to know this? Do we even want to know if there's any wicked way in us? So many people in the world, they spend their life trying to avoid knowing themselves, trying to avoid seeing any wickedness that is in them. People will use drugs, and people will drink alcohol, and people will do all kinds of things just to avoid this question. I don't want to know myself. I want to numb myself. I want to numb my mind. I don't want to really live in reality. I want to numb my mind so I do not live in reality. So that I am living in some kind of a fantasy. So that I am avoiding the real questions and the real problems that exist in my life because I don't want to deal with it. And I don't want to deal with myself. I don't want to deal with my weaknesses. I don't want to deal with my problems. I just want to avoid them. I want to run away from them. I want to escape from them. But here God is saying what the light that he is giving us is not just to allow us to see ourselves clearly and he says, well, that's it, that's who you are, too bad. No, it's a light that is giving us the ability to see so that we can correct, so that we can fix, so that we can resolve, so we can address it, right? And God is giving us this power, right? To transform, to renew, to change, to, to recreate us again. So the first step in this process of recreation or transformation is, yes, I have to see. I have to acknowledge, I have to confess, I have to, I have to look straight at myself in the mirror and say, this is who I am, these are my weaknesses, these are my shortcomings, these are the things that I have to deal with and I have to fix. And then I go to God and say, God, help me to do this. Remove these sins from me, remove these problems, these issues, remove this weaknesses that I have and help me to overcome them. But this is the light of God. That instead of living in darkness, deluding ourselves, imagining ourselves to be great and wonderful in every possible way and perfect, God comes and shines his light on us and we see things we don't like. But that is the first step to healing. That is the first step to repentance. Also, the light of God allows us to accept and to love one another. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You know, six of the Ten Commandments is all related to dealing with one another, how to love one another, how to share with one another, what to do and what not to do, 
with one another. And yet we find ourselves struggling to do this. We find ourselves struggling to forgive our neighbor. We find ourselves struggling to be, you know, kind, to be generous, to do all the things that God has asked us to do. But it is only through the light that God gives that we can begin to approach this, that we begin to diminish ourselves, meaning that I become humble, I think of myself less, I care about myself less, I'm not so interested only in my own success, but I begin to be more interested in other people's success, in other people's joy, in other people's security, in other people's desires, right? This, this starts to change in us through the light of God. God is not just asking us to do this on our own, to love one another on our own. He's saying, I will send you power so that you can do this. And for those who live in darkness are the ones what that are walking in selfishness. Because he says, what if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. But if we do not walk in the light, then we have no fellowship. When we do not walk in the light, we are very selfish. When we do not walk on the light, we want to remain isolated from everyone because I can't deal with anyone and I don't want to put up with anyone and I can't stand anyone and I lose my temper at everyone and all I care about is my own things and my own self. This is the darkness. But he says, when we walk in the light, we have fellowship. We, we love one another. We enjoy one another. We want to serve one another. So certainly in the church, the only way that we serve the world and to serve one another is through walking in the light of Christ. And this is what he came to accomplish. He said, maybe you lived in millennia in darkness, but I'm coming now to give you something new. I'm coming to give you light because he is the light of the world. The last point regarding what will happen when God's, shine, uh, when God's light shines on us is that it will bring others to salvation. In Acts 13, 47, Christ is speaking and he said, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. This is a quotation. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. What does that mean? It means that through our work and through our service and through our example and through our preaching and through us being a model of what is it that a human being should be, that we go into the world as a light, bringing that same light that God brought to us to the world. Maybe there are still people living in darkness in the world, people that have not benefited from the light of Christ because they reject him, because they do not know him, because they choose to continue living in darkness or because they are ignorant and don't understand and live in darkness because they do not know him. So God has said what? I have set you as the light to the Gentiles. You are the light to those people who are outside. You are the light to those who are unbelievers. Why? That you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. It is our role for to bring salvation to the world. God has done his role in bringing salvation, but so many people do not know him. So many people reject this message or so many people have never heard of it. And yet God is telling us, how is it that, that they are going to hear? You are going to tell them. Here, these apostles are the ones that went into the world to preach Christianity so that everybody believed in Christ through their preaching. Of course, supported by the work of the Holy Spirit. But God is telling us now that we are to do the same, that we go and we preach to the world and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So the next question is, how do we receive enlightenment? How do we receive this light? What are some of the ways that God has created for us to receive, to practice, and to live in this light rather than darkness? Because like we said, just because Christ came as the light into the world, we can shield our eyes from this light. Just like this room is lit, but I can close my eyes and I don't see the light. I can cover my eyes and I don't see. So just because the light is available 
Just because the light is available to pierce the hearts of everyone who looks into it, doesn't mean that I see the light. It doesn't mean that I benefit from the light because it requires my ascent. It requires me to consent to seeing this light. It, it requires me to seek the light. It requires me to want the light and to want to live according to the light. How are some ways that we receive this light that Christ is offering to all of us? One way is through the sacraments. In Luke chapter 24, it says, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And then it says, Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. Right? These are, this is speaking about the disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. And, and, and as these disciples were walking with Christ, they still had not seen him. They still did not know him. They didn't understand who he was. And it says what? He sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, just as he did on the Last Supper, and how they received communion from his hand, and he gave it to them. And only after they ate of this did they see. Sometimes we wonder, what is it that is happening to us in communion? We take communion lightly sometimes because we come and we attend so many liturgies and it's the same liturgy every time and we take the same communion every time and maybe after we take it we don't see any miracles happening. We don't see anything miraculous changing. We don't see anything, right? So even though we believe that this is the body and blood of Christ, but maybe inside of me there is something maybe questioning like what did this like if I hadn't taken this what would have happened then is anything going to happen is this really having impact or effect on my life but here we see that this is through this sacraments that our eyes become open now maybe the effect that it has on us is more gradual than this maybe the effect that it has on us is not something that in that instant we begin to see something we didn't see before and yet this is what the effect of the sacrament is that God opens our eyes to begin to see things in a new way that we see the world in a new way. We see God's working in it in a new way. We see ourselves in a new way. And all this light that enters into us brings us joy. It brings me joy that God is in control. It brings me joy that there is something greater and bigger than simply maybe the, the mundaneness of this world, the temporary nature of this world. It brings me joy that I will have an eternal life with Christ. And God has created for us in the church the sacraments by which we partake of Him by which we enjoy Him, by which we see the heavenly work done on earth. That is what the sacraments are. Through the sacraments, the heavenly work is done here on earth. Also, we receive enlightenment through the Word of God. Psalm 19 says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Meaning, as we read the Word of God and we begin to live by it, again, our eyes are opened and we see life in a different way. We begin to understand God's commandments, we begin to desire God's commandments and God's will, and we see the world differently. The Word of God makes us to understand. It is full of understanding. We begin to understand why is it that we live as we do? Why is it that we struggle as we do? Why is it that I have to confess? Why is it that the world is full of corruption? Why is it that bad things happen to us? Why is it that God is calling us to live a certain way? Maybe to those who don't understand the Word of God, none of that makes any sense. And certainly a lot of people that, even who are Christians, that have a lot of questions about God and the world, a lot of those questions or all of those questions are answered in the Bible. And yet maybe we don't read the Bible to know. Maybe we don't have the answers because we have not sought the answers diligently 
and we just assume that there isn't an answer or we invent an answer that is the wrong one. If we read the Bible, we will find that there are answers to every question, but we have to read and we have to believe. And then finally, the third way we're going to speak about that we are enlightened is by focusing on him. In Psalm 34, it says, They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. When we look at Christ, we change. Right? And this idea of focusing on him could point us like to prayer. That when we spend time with God, when we focus on God, when we want to be with God, we begin to change. This is actually the benefit of the prayer. You know, some people say, well, if I had asked God or I, if I didn't ask God something, would he have still given it to me? Or, you know, what exactly if I asked him how many times would it have mattered if I only asked him this many times? And we ask these questions about prayer. Actually, the, 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 the greatest thing that we receive in prayer is not some physical thing that we're asking for, but it is to be transformed to become like Christ. Simply being in the presence of God and seeking God makes us to shine just as he shines, right? They look to him and we're radiant. When we look to Christ, his light rubs off on us. And this is how we understand the world and ourselves. This is how we share salvation with the world. It is because we are filled with the light of Christ. And the only way I can be filled with the light of Christ is by pursuing him by being with him, by talking to him, by enjoying his presence. And then I take this same light that God has given us, this that is, that is radiating on us, and we share it with other people. So we cannot ignore being with God. You know, Pope Shnuda was saying in a sermon one time that prayer is the last thing people want to do. People will read uh, the Bible. They will read spiritual books. They will attend liturgies. They will uh, attend spiritual meetings. They will attend Bible studies. They will do all of this. But when it comes to personal prayer time, no, I don't have time for that. I already go to the church a lot. I already attend meetings a lot. I already go and I do all these other activities. But prayer is different than these other activities because prayer is actually communicating and being with the person that we are saying, that we are seeking in all these other activities. Why is it we go to Bible study? Because we want to learn about the one whom we are seeking. You know, why is it that I go to liturgy? Because I want to partake of the one that I am seeking, right? So prayer is something that is actually direct communication with the one whom we say that we are seeking, the one that we want to be with, which is something that we can't ignore. Just as any one of us, someone whom we love dearly, if they, we, would, we, we, we wouldn't just ignore them if they were with us. We wouldn't just avoid talking to them. We would call them. We would be with them. We want to spend time with them. Same with Christ, to spend time with him, to focus on him. And simply by focusing on him. Even, you know, some people's prayer is simply remaining silent in the presence of the Lord. Going to a place that's quiet, meditating on God, and not even opening their mouth. Just staying silently that they're consecrating this time of silence just to be in the presence of God and that this itself is a prayer. This itself is being aware of God's presence and, and receiving from God this radiance and this light that he has. So finally, I want to conclude with this verse in Micah chapter 7. It says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. And this is the spiritual struggle, the battle that we're all facing against the enemy. We want to all say to our enemy, do not rejoice over me. You have not defeated me. You have not conquered me. That even though I fall in sin because you tempt me and deceive me, and yet I will rise again. Why? And every time you bring darkness upon me, I will, I will rise again because the light of the Lord shines upon me. 
because God is with me, because God is, er is eradicating the darkness that you are bringing over me. So even though our lives have periods of darkness and have periods of falling and periods of, of giving in to temptation, and yet God has achieved for us the ultimate victory, that his light is stronger than the darkness, his light can conquer the dark darkness, but we have to want it, we have to seek it, we have to desire this light instead of feeling that the darkness provides cover. The darkness provides a place where I can do as I please and no one will know and no one will see. Do I really want to live in the light and to be exposed by the light of Christ for him to come and try me and know me and search my heart as the psalm said? Or am I satisfied simply to live in darkness, to live you know, away from God with no one knowing and I not even knowing myself? So may God grant us to receive this light with open eyes, to see his power working in us and to desire the light and flee from darkness. And glory be to God forever. Amen.